Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast, Andre Gallagher. Tonight, the Knicks play the Toronto Raptors. We talked about it a little bit in the last show. Uh, I don't like when the Knicks play people again in a short period of time. It's real easy to scout what they do when you have defensive players. Uh, easy to adjust to what they're doing. And it's a revenge factor. In Toronto, the Knicks have a little heat between them. So, from I'm not even talking about Messiah Jerry and all that New York Knicks stuff. The, the Knicks lawsuit and all that. I don't get into that nonsense. But the Knicks players and uh, the Raptor players last year, if you remember Scotty Barnes telling Grimes that he, he was not that guy, you are not him, set it to his face, some pushing and shoving. There's been heat between these two teams. And you know Toronto, after losing at home, wants to come out and, and put on the show. So, should be a little nerve-wracking with Jalen Brunson not shooting well right now. Mitchell Robinson possibly out for an extended period of time with this ankle injury. There was a, uh IG Live that he put out, apparently, where he's talking about basically saying... Life throws him curveballs, and it's never been easy for him, and he has to keep going. It's kind of one of those depressing posts. It sounds like his ankle might be in bad shape, or he could be talking about any number of things because he does tend to talk about any number of things on his IG Live. But, yeah, Mitchell Robinson is out. Hartenstein has to step up, and he typically does. But against a team like the Raptors, Mitchell Robinson is huge for the Knicks. He's huge. It's the other teams, the shooting centers, the more versatile perimeter-based center teams that he can struggle a little bit, but Hartenstein is not a ton better. But he is better when there's a mismatch and he has to guard perimeter players. He's a little bit better at that. So you're going to see Jericho Sims get dusted off and playing his more Natural position for the Knicks, even though it could be it could be argued that he is actually a power forward because he doesn't have a lot of height. He doesn't have great timing on his shot blocking. He's a better perimeter defender. Even though he's improved his drop defense on on screens, he's not good at it. <laughs> All right. But he's a decent perimeter perimeter blah, blah, perimeter defender. And I like seeing him play defense. I think he, once he starts getting, uh, you know, his hands out of the cookie jar and a little bit of respect to the referees, I think there's a lot of people he can guard. He can be a pain in the butt. He just can't. He's not an offensive player in any way. He has more offensive skills than you know because you don't see it, but I've seen it. It's just that he's too shy to use it, so it doesn't matter. The guy's not playing with confidence. It doesn't matter what he can do in practice. You know, he can put the ball on the floor. You've seen his ball handling. He straightened out his shooting stroke. Uh, I've seen him hit short jumpers, but he's never going to shoot those jumpers consistently. He doesn't have an in-between game around the basket. He is probably better at putting the ball on the floor and and finishing at the rim than Mitchell is. He doesn't necessarily have to be spoon-fed, but, you know, it's still going to be a grind having him on the floor Sometimes defensively on that drop coverage, and even though he'd be excellent on switches. Now, whether or not Tibbs uses him like that, I don't know. Tibbs, again, can be a little rigid. 
But it'll be kind of exciting to see Jericho Sims get some minutes, even though it's at the expense of Mitchell Robinson. You would hope that the Knicks could improve their offensive efficiency with Hardenstein on the floor more with the starters, having a guy who doesn't have to stand at the front of the rim to score and knows how to move around in those spaces and actually be effective offensively if the ball finds him. It might help the offense a tick. Again, like last show, the offense is not the biggest problem, but that lack of spacing does come to haunt them, uh, comes comes back to haunt them in big spots. And I think it hurts rhythm. I, I, I think it's easy for them to fall out of rhythm when teams start to figure out how to guard them at the front of the rim. And that's how you start getting dry spells, and I think dry spells actually lead to bad defense. It's not supposed to, but it does. And I think Hartenstein can... I think he can help there. We'll see. Toronto's not the best team to try it out against with all their length. But you'll start to see a little bit of the process. And it'll start. I don't know, man. We have to start toying around with a working theory of mine that I keep saying over and over. I think Mitchell's offensive rebounds actually helps the Knicks. That's not what I think. That's, that's obvious. That's obvious. Bear with me here. I think, though, that what he takes away offensively by being such a poor spacer and being below average at the rim in terms of how he can find open spots and how he can put the ball in the basket and the Knicks being poor passers. They're not great passers, most of them. I think all of that hurts the offense and the offensive rebounds actually just mitigates that a little, but maybe not enough juxtaposed with having a center who has more offensive ability, especially offensive ability outside of the paint. And Hartenstein is not exactly, doesn't exactly fit the bill there, even though he's hit threes in the past, he hasn't hit any with the Knicks. I think they really need to get him in the gym taking that shot more. I'm not starting that that campaign again. I'm starting to think that what Mitch gives you on the offensive end with the offensive rebounds is not enough compared to what he takes away. Not enough compared to what he takes away. And then you have to look at, okay, what he gives you on the defensive end. And if you're comparing him to Hartenstein, yes, he's better. He's better more consistently, but is he so much better that it offsets what he's taking away on offense? What is the net gain? I mean, it's an easy enough stat to look at, and if you look at it last year, it wasn't a net game when Hardenstein was out there. But, you know, Hardenstein isn't always playing with the, with the starters, and he's, I mean, he, he finished a lot of games, he played well, but he played with the bench unit a lot. And the bench unit had it had its ups and downs. You know, you have a guy like Obi Toppin who doesn't play defense in that, that bench unit, right? So it's tricky. It's a tricky thing. The numbers don't support what I'm saying, but I could also do that same thing a lot of Nick fans do and say, well, it's Tibbs' fault. Hardenstein should be doing this. He should be doing that. And I talked about that in the preseason, too, and you haven't seen that in a while, right? You haven't seen those backdoor plays. You haven't seen Hartenstein in a playmaking capacity as much as you did in the preseason. 
kind of everybody kind of reverted back to what they were doing before, which is what you always and, and the same thing with the ball movement. This is it's the thing that you always worry about when you you see positive things in the preseason. Are people going to revert back to what they've been doing? Right. Well, there it is. The news came down. Mitchell Robinson out eight to ten weeks. So you're going. That's that's big, man. That's that's big. I was real mad. My a couple of my fantasy leagues, I didn't get heart and sign quick enough. I was tired and busy. But that's neither here nor there. But listen, man, that's that's huge. That's huge. Now, the Knicks have have depth at the position. They offer different things. Jericho Sims can be spastic a little bit on offense, and he can not present the same challenges and drop coverage that Hartenstein and and Mitchell do. But he's pretty good. Gets called for a lot of fouls, but he's pretty good at moving his feet, man. He doesn't anticipate blocks very well. He's incredibly athletic, but he doesn't anticipate blocks very well. He doesn't have great timing. He doesn't have great timing on his rebounds either. Uh, But who knows? He may have improved. He hasn't really played that much all year. Uh, He does add another dimension to that second unit, being uh, super fast and athletic. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. I think... I can't sit here and tell you how Mitchell Robinson can hurt the team as much as he helps the team or or at least pose it or at least pose the question. Hurt the team on offense and against certain matchups, hurt the team on defense. At least pose the question. I can't do that and then say, the Knicks are going to be uh, appreciably worse without Mitchell Robinson on the floor. I don't. I can't. I can't do that. They're not the same team. They're not the same rim protecting team. Okay, they're not the same alley oop protecting team. Like they play the Atlanta Hawks, they're gonna have a harder time because Mitchell kind of figured the Atlanta Hawks out on there on Trey and Capella's pick and roll. They're gonna have a hard time against teams that do that. But the Knicks might be better at the hedge and recovers for their shooting centers, uh, starter and backup. They might be they might switching might be a easier strategy for them defensively. Uh, blitzing the pick and roll is something the Knicks are going to have to do against. You saw that's what happened to the Pacers with when they played the Lakers. The Lakers blitzed the hell out of that pick and roll. Now they blitz it with a lot of length and athleticism. But they blitzed the hell out of their pick and roll and completely took Halliburton out of the game. And that's what the Knicks, that's the next Knicks strategy against some of these pick and roll teams, pick and pop teams that are killing them. And Jericho Sims is real good at that. I told the story last year. Jericho Sims one time had to double team Kevin Durant. Jericho Sims came and double team Kevin Durant. And Durant threw one pass. And by the time that second pass was being made, Jericho Sims was back to the open man. So all the Knicks had to do was rotate to that first pass, but because by the second pass, Jericho Simmons was back. That's how fast he was. Mitchell Robinson never could do it. Hartenstein can't do it. Jericho Sims, double team at the top of the key and get all the way back to the baseline before anybody could throw a pass an open man. That's the kind of defensive potential he has. Well, they got to hunker down. You saw Julius Randle make the comment. 
the Knicks have to recommit themselves to uh, rotating defensively, getting out to the three-point line. I just think it's ironic that he's the one saying it because he's the one that's usually not that good at it. But whatever, I'm not going to pick on him. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. you saying the right things, my boy, but you got <laughs> you to gotta, you gotta walk it. You can't just talk it. You got to walk it, my boy. Come on, man. Well, they got the work cut out for them. It's not going to be easy. I think this might be an opportunity for the team to get their mind right. It's strange what gets teams' minds right when they're actually focused on winning and they like each other. And from from all reports, that's what the next situation is. They like each other and they want to win. They have good pedigree on the team. But you can get kind of disheveled and, and discombobulated and lose faith in, in what you're doing. Um, but something can happen that refocuses everybody where you, you, you quiet the noise and you focus on what's in front of you and what you need to do. All right. Maybe this does it for the team because the last two losses, even though there's been a lot of overreactions to them and yes, there were some things they need to improve. It could really derail a team because the noise in New York is so loud. It's just, it's just loud. Losing to Boston and walking the road, not that big of a deal. How you lost, sure. Sure. But the Knicks shouldn't be hanging their heads low after those two losses. They know they need to improve and get better on some things, yes. But you got players who aren't playing well. Jalen found a slump all of a sudden. RJ's slumping. But this might, this might, hey, this can derail the season. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. There's two other things I want to talk about here. And we're going to do a little Doofus Chronicles. A little Doofus Chronicles. But I don't feel like reading the messages because it's it's trending on Twitter. So you're seeing it all over the place. And we're going to start with Obi Toppin. Okay. Obi Toppin. And I'll rehash real quick because I've done this a million times. So I don't necessarily want to spend a whole lot of time going through the OB timeline. The Knicks screwed the pooch when they drafted OB Toppin. Period. End of discussion. Okay? That's not about OB, though. That's about... They should have drafted Halliburton. But I'm not going to keep going on and on about that. I've said... I've probably said it 30,000 times, but I'm not going to go on and on because teams miss players. Happens all the time. It happens in Knicks a ton, by the way. But we're not going to talk about that either because this front office hasn't missed on all of the players in the last 20 years. They missed on Halliburton, though. And they're not the only one who missed on him. And they missed on him reportedly because they thought he couldn't shoot, which is comical. But that was the, the common theory on Halliburton in that draft. But they drafted Obi Toppin because they thought that Randall wasn't going to be the future. And they were going to have to move on from him. But then Randall had an outstanding season. So the OB Toppin draft pick becomes a complete waste. The second season when Randall struggled, OB Toppin should have played more. But he was bad defensively. He wasn't shooting well. But Toppin should have played more because Randall was not playing well either. So, so that, that is on tips. The third year, Toppin was playing behind an all-NBA player. <laughs> So, on a team that was trying to get to the playoffs, 
He didn't always star in his role, but he, he was playing decently. But he could not defend the position of power forward. Couldn't. And if you thought, and Obi had shown at least that he probably should be playing more and objectively not necessarily at the power forward position, but maybe when Randall's not playing as well, then you play top end. Maybe against smaller teams, you play Randall at the five. But Randall can't play the five. He's bad at it. And Obi's bad at the four. So <laughs> that's just not going to work with Tibbs. Right? Now, you could argue it should have been done more, but objectively neither one of them were good defensively at those positions right my take was Obi Toppin should have played small four and you see Carlisle Carlisle who has a ton of shooting guards and small fours on that team I don't think he's hesitant to match him up as small forward I there was he played that when the Pacers played Miami he put them on put him on Jimmy Butler which I think was a very good idea it's something that I would have tried and Tibbs refused to try. You have a lot of guys who could potentially guard Jimmy Butler. And you wouldn't expect to put your worst defensive player on him. So I don't blame Tibbs for that. But the way Jimmy Butler played, he doesn't always beat you. He shoots over you. And if you can get Obi to, to not fall for fakes, then maybe he can bother Jimmy Butler. Do I think you can win a whole series with Obi Toppin guarding Jimmy Butler? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, but they didn't win a game. And he did not shoot well against Obi Toppin. All right. I, I think Obi has better defensive potential than most people think. So the reason why he doesn't play good defense is on him. And it's not an effort thing, it's a technique thing. All right. So, and he's also not very strong down low. So it's easy to move him off the spot. People don't, they don't feel him when they go to the basket. And his athleticism doesn't seem to bother anyone when they finish around him. Okay? So, Obi Toppin has never been a good defensive player. He's never been a good rebounder. So, he was never going to be the starting power forward for the Knicks as long as Randall was there. And Randall wasn't going to be able to play center. And why would you have him play center when you have Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson, who were two of the better centers in the league? He was in a bad spot here. But he thought he should play more. I thought he should have played more. But more doesn't necessarily mean 20 more minutes. <laughs> like five more minutes, seven more minutes. Because you can get a lot out of Obi Toppin sometimes. He learned how to shoot. He got progressively better every year. And I think people treated him unfairly on his three-point shot. His numbers went down last year after an injury. He started the season off shooting 37%. Which at the time, it was one, it was like top three on the Knicks. Then he got hurt, and all of that fell off. He was never as consistent a shooter. I think his his shot selection was also bad. But again, the Knicks have spacing issues at the basket. So, but he was never good at attacking closeouts and finishing against the second level defense, the help defense. He was never good at it. So there were so many things that Obi improved on, but so many things that he he never improved on that there was no reason to think that Obi Toppin should be a starter for the Knicks. But that he should have been playing small forward because the Knicks were having, they had injuries, RJ went out. There was opportunity there before Josh Hart got here. There was opportunity there for him to play small forward. And if he wasn't, the small forward, power forward position is not appreciably different defensively. 
You need to rebound the position and you need to be a little bit stronger at the power forward position night to night, night to night. All right. It's basically a matchup thing. So if you can have him at the power forward position on a lot of nights, you can have him at the small forward position. As long as he's not guarding a six five guy. If he's guarding a six 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 seven guy, I don't see I didn't see him being worse guarding that guy than he would be guarding the power forward. If the guy was a primary scorer, then yes. But if the guy was a role player, then put him on a minute so you can get a few more minutes out of him. And that's a way you could have played Randall and Toppin together. I understand his rotations were shitty, but his rotations were bad. Both at power forward too. So what's the point? All of that said, when the Knicks traded him for two second round draft picks, it told you two things. They were doing him a favor. And nobody wanted him. <laughs> that's, that's what it told you. So when you talk about the Knicks trading for two second round draft picks and talk about it's a bad trade. It was a bad trade because he was a number seven pick in the draft. And you ended up trading him for two second round draft picks. That's why it's a bad trade. It wasn't a bad trade because Obi Toppin is worth more than that. Because he is not. He is not. Okay, because serious teams know that he can't play defense. Now, to get him in your locker room and work on him and see if you can help him, sure. That's worth two second round draft picks. What do you think the Knicks were going to get? A first rounder? A first rounder for him? That's all they're going to get. You think the Knicks should have kept him. But the Knicks are better without him. You know why? Because they are a better defensive team. And don't laugh because of Milwaukee and Boston. They are a better defensive team having Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart playing than having Obi Toppin playing. You say the Knicks are too small. Josh Hart averages twice the rebounds that Obi Toppin averages. Twice the rebounds. And Obi's not a defensive player, so don't tell me they're too small with no Obi Toppin. They're, they're, they might be small in inches, but they're not small in production. There's no reason to say that the Knicks are missing Obi Toppin. They're not a running team. They're a defensive team. Obi Toppin can stretch the floor better than Josh Hart can, but Josh Hart is doing things that Obi Toppin doesn't do. So you can't just look at Obi Toppin stretching the floor. You can't just look at look at runouts because that's not going to happen in the playoffs that much. It's not going to happen against good teams that much. Once or twice, and that's it. And you sacrificing the defensive boards in order to get it. Obi Toppin is averaging three rebounds a game, and he's a starting power four of Indiana. He's averaging 13 points and three rebounds and one assist. And you guys are walking around talking like he's an all-star. When y'all said, when he left the Knicks, y'all said he was going to be an all-star. Y'all said that they were going to rule the day that they let Obi Toppin go. Y'all said Obi Toppin was going to be out there flourishing, making the Knicks look stupid. They only like make the Knicks look stupid to stupid people. He's averaging 13.3 rebounds and one assist for his career. For his career, he's averaging 7 points, 7.5, so 8 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist for his career. That means when he was a backup for the Knicks, he averaged 8 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist. He is now the starter for the Pacers. 
supposed to be all world. What you guys talking about him every day like he's an all-star when he has good games. He's averaging 13 points, three rebounds, and one assist. In more minutes. Why are y'all talking about that like that's something? I'm not trying to beat up on Obi. I'm not. But have some... Listen, if Obi keeps playing better, Obi started the season shooting 30% from three. Don't tell me what Obi's field goal percentage is. He makes dunks and layups. He's not creating offense. Stop it. He's getting alley-oops. He's DeAndre Jordan. Okay? Dunking the ball. You don't look at a guy's field goal percentage and act like he's doing something. If he's creating offense, it's different. He's getting spoon-fed by one of the best passers in the league. But his three-point shooting percentage was thirty was it was under thirty percent like two weeks ago. He got up to thirty-seven percent. He's been shooting well. If he's going to shoot, give him credit. Because to me, if he starts shooting well and he can get his rebounds up to maybe six rebounds, to me, Obi Toppin is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Like that's who he is right now. His ceiling is a guy who can maybe create offense in space. That's his ceiling. So if he could do all of those things, that's great for Obi Toppin. That's great. But he wasn't going to do it for the Knicks. Because that's still backup stuff. You understand that? That's still backup stuff. Don't tell me he's a starting power forward for Indiana and doing backup stuff. He's still getting benched in the fourth quarter when they need defense. They still play... They played Naismith at power forward in the end season tournament down the stretch of those games. Not Toppin. The game against, I think it was the game against Boston. Oh, uh, was it Boston and Milwaukee? One of those games. I think it was Milwaukee. They played Toppin, one of them. They played Toppin the entire third quarter. Didn't sit him. And I'm looking at him like, okay, so he's not going to play the fourth. <laughs> right? Because that, that's the only reason why you're doing it. He's not going to play the fourth. And he didn't. And the only reason why he came back in the game against the Lakers is because Miles Turner fouled out. He wasn't going to come back in that game either, but he played at least the first half of the fourth or some of it, but he wasn't going to play crunch time because he don't play no defense. And Carlisle knows it too. And they don't have... I shouldn't say they don't have. They're not playing any other power forwards. They're just playing him, and they're playing Naismith. He's getting sat down for guards. And by the way, all of you people talking about how the Knicks are too small. The Pacers got to the in-season tournament final and had a chance to win with five minutes to go in that game. And they're playing Obi Toppin and guards at power forward. And don't take no don't act like that's because of Obi Toppin. Don't act like that's because of Obi Toppin that they can play small. Don't don't do that. Alright? If they can if you if the if if the Pacers are not too small with Obi Toppin and Nate Smith playing power forward, then the Knicks are not too small with Julius Randle and Josh Hart playing power forward. Josh Hart's averaging six rebounds a game. So y'all stop. I'm not rooting against Obi Toppin. I refuse. But you guys moving the goalposts, saying that Obi Toppin was going to be an all-star and he was going to do this and do that 
and then he's end up averaging 13 points and three rounds and one assist and getting benched in the fourth quarter. Tibbs still benching him in the fourth quarter, man. Tibbs still benching him in the fourth. That's what was happening here. Getting benched in the fourth, and y'all complained about it. Now he, y'all act like he's a superstar, and Tibbs apparently is coaching the Pacers. Pull yourself together. Now we're going to talk about Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, before a starter, he's 11 and 2, whatever he is with the Lakers. Good. He's playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He's still shooting 30% from three and 40% from the field. He is playing good defense. Give him credit. Y'all didn't say Cam Reddish was going to be Frank Nilakina when he left here. Y'all didn't say he was going to be a defense first guy. Y'all said he was going to be an all-star. Y'all said he was going to average 20 points a game. Y'all said he was going to do all these great things. He's out there playing defense. Good for him. He's shooting 30%. He started for the Knicks last year. Y'all know that? Y'all remember that? He started for the Knicks. and almost got tips fired. His net rating for the Knicks was was negative 1.6. If I remember correctly. And y'all over here talking about, oh, the Knicks, this, this, blah, blah, blah. Y'all stupid. You talking about Cam Reddish. With the, he was last on the team. 1.6 net rating. By two points. Actually, no, that's a lot. He was... He wasn't last. That was my fault. He wasn't last. Let me tell you who was last. Listen to this roll call. We're going to leave Trevor Keels out of this. He just played garbage time. Jericho Sims, that hurts, was a minus 6.7 in net rating. But again, he played a lot of blowouts. He, he wasn't in the rotation. Fournier was behind him as a minus 4.7. Why don't we play Fournier? Why don't we play Fournier? Minus 4.7. Derrick Rose, minus 3.5. Derrick Rose can still play. Why ain't play Derrick Rose? Minus 3.5. And next, Cam Reddish, minus 1.6. He was in the starting lineup. He was terrible guarding screen, screens and drop coverage. He's still not great at it, but they're blitzing. But I got to watch him more. If their blitzing is different, but he was he was getting jacked up on ball screens and he was getting jacked up off the ball. And his effort wasn't always there. And offensively, he was doing nothing. So y'all keep moving the goalposts telling me Cam Reddish is doing it. He's killing it. He's playing next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Y'all told me he was going to be an all-star. Y'all told me he was going to be fantastic. He's so talented. He could do this. You, you didn't tell me he was Frank Nilakina. You didn't tell me that. Then bring him back. We need Frank Nilakina. We need a wing defender. Bring him back. Oh, wait. We don't need nobody who's going to shoot 30% from three because the last thing the Knicks need is another guy who can't shoot. Say less. Y'all all in the same breath talk about the Knicks shooting and the Knicks offense and then want to bring back a guy who's shooting 40%. 30% from three because he's playing defense. We got plenty of players playing defense. Josh Hart plays defense. Josh Hart defense don't matter though because he's not Obi Toppin. But Obi Toppin doesn't play defense. But you want Obi Toppin. Which one is it? You want a defense only guy who's playing with LeBron James and got his act together and Cam Reddish who can't shoot? You want Obi Toppin who can't defend? 
You put them together, you're going to have a great player. You put them together, you get the player that you guys been talking about, the Knicks been missing. Get out of here. At Sports Ethos on Twitter. At Ethos Knicks. Until next time.